There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, got it. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba, episode 51. Uh, tonight, we're going to do some more fantasy football draft prep. And to do that, we're going to get a member of BigGuyFantasySports.com to join me. You can find him on Twitter, at Bob underscore Lung. He's known as Mr. Consistency, Bob Lung. How you doing tonight, Bob? Doing great, Bubba. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh... It's uh, getting pretty exciting here. This is a big weekend. Uh, I think they call it National Draft Day. So that's tomorrow. And uh, I, I've done a ton already. Got a few this weekend and a ton next weekend. So um, just excited. Obviously, this is a big time of the year for all of us. Yep, big, big weekend. Like you said, I've done a few as well. But uh, I got my, my long time home draft, live draft tomorrow. And it is that weekend. It's time to, to yeah. go. So, and those are the best. I don't care what anybody those says. Are you can, those are the best. They, when you have all your friends and you can trash talk and you got the, you know, mm -hmm. the alcohol flowing and the drinks flowing, the food and, you know, that that is the best. I mean, and I tell people, they're always like, do you play, you know, the, the daily and all that kind of stuff? And I'm like, eh, I dabble in it. But I go, you know, the whole reason fantasy football was created was for those kind of leagues. You know, yeah, they've made this into a little bit more of a legalized gambling concept with that. But the whole idea of fantasy football is the camaraderie, the, you know, the competitiveness, the pride, the trash talking. That's what's fun. That's what makes it the best. Um, and so, you know, I always hear that. Well, which leagues do you want to win? Which ones do you not or not? I'm like, first off, I want to win them all. Um, I'm not I never got into this world to, to, to just do OK. Um, but yeah, it, this is, I think that's the best. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't care what anybody says, uh, you can win money and that's all fine and good, but man, there's nothing better than, you know, trash talking your buddy about beating him in the finals or something and get to do it for a whole year. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. It, it, it nothing beats, like you said, you got the food, the drinks, the guys you can see face to face when they're trying to draft, you can get in their heads. It, it's a whole different mm -hmm. atmosphere. And like you said, do you do auction or snake. This is just snake. Um, okay. If we try to auction with, with that group by the end of the draft, we might never finish. Well, <laughs> and that's what we do. We do. We've we've done auction for years, and um, oh, there's just nothing better than that. I mean, and it is exactly that, man. You know, you think you got a guy you snuck through for a few bucks, and all of a sudden your buddy, you know, just goes, "Eh, how about I'm taking for seven? Mm -hmm. <laughs> just just as somebody's going, going, going seven. 
and you just hear the the f bombs and the screaming and the you know the the language just, oh, yeah. that's the oh. best like you said that's just you know and then um or somebody brings up somebody that they thought they were going to sneak through and somebody steals them they only have a buck or two left and they but somebody else has three and they steal them away and they just get all angry oh that's that's the most fun and we still do auction but we kind of because so many people have moved away um because we have eight of out of our 12 original people from 1985 when we started it um so we do it online now but there's still a chat room there for trash talking and in you know screaming and yelling in a chat kind of way but it's still fun no that's great and i started doing auctions recently in baseball a couple of years ago and it is a whole different app like atmosphere like i tell people if you can do an auction do it it is it's amazing it's a mm. totally different mind game it's like playing chess out there it, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, fun. it's a lot of fun mm -hmm. uh, before we get going why don't you let everybody know where they can find your info um as you have magazines websites articles all over <laughs> the place all right so here we go so uh again bigguyfantasysports.com is the site uh, where you can get everything uh, related to fantasy football consistency uh, you won't find another site that has this much detail information when it comes to the consistency of players. I've been doing this for 15 years now. Uh, my book, The Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, uh, this was its third year. Uh, I'm honored to say that it was chosen by Cheat Sheet War Room, who does an annual review of all magazines, both printed uh, and online. Um, and mine is in print. You can get it on Amazon if you want it in print copy. Uh, but it was chosen as the best magazine of the year. Um, I was shocked. I was uh, I was humbled. But uh, um, honestly, I was really excited about it because after 15 years of putting this all together, you know, sometimes I've thought, man, am I the only guy that gets this and understands and thinks this is good? But honored that uh, they thought that and picked it as the uh, best magazine of the year. Um, also find uh, me... Um, not only, of course, on the site with my articles, but some of my articles. I've written some stuff for Sporting News recently. Fantasy Pros has the perfectly consistent draft by pick. So if it doesn't matter where you're picking from, um, it will help you um, from that position tell you how to pick not only a good points draft, but also a very consistent draft in the players that I chose because I combine their mock draft tool and my tier draft list that you can get on the website with the magazine uh, that gets updated every day now through uh, the season or through the uh, preseason here for draft day. So if you're listening to this and you're drafting tomorrow or, or next week or you need a panic, you can get on the site, buy the uh, consistency guide, get the Excel tier draft list with it. It'll help you guide you right through the draft as well as which players to pick at each spot so that's uh, helpful if you're either new to the world or you're just a little bit behind in your prep we can help you out with that and i'm always available by, by email bob at big and so if you got a draft question or a keeper question certainly hit me up and then as you mentioned on twitter as well um i think that's everything we we had talked about so a lot of stuff to get in but uh, just kind of want to share everything what's out there and uh you know, if you have some, if you're kind of new to the how important consistency is in fantasy football, uh, I'm here to help you and here to uh, just add this tool to your arsenal. I always say I'm the fries to the Happy Meal. 
Um, there's certainly big sites out there that do a lot of great stuff, a lot of information. Add a little consistency to your draft and to your uh, team management. I guarantee you're going to do better uh, in the long run. And I love that philosophy because I'm a big, big baseball guy, and I play a lot of football too, but baseball I would say is my better of the two. And that's been my, like, model for years in those leagues is, you know, get your studs, get your early round picks, sure. But I'm all about after that. I want guys I know are going to usually have a great track record of being healthy. Get You know, they don't jump off the page all the time, but they're consistently putting up the production mm -hmm. week in and week out that you want like in football and baseball. And yeah. that's what people, people don't look at that. They go, Oh, this is the big name or the reasons why we do podcasts like this. You do your shows and your articles. It's to let people know that, Hey, just cause this guy is the, the new name on the street, you can get in the quote unquote eighth round or something. doesn't mean he's worth taking for your right. team. It's just right. the exactly. cool name, right? Well, and in baseball it's cumulative. So right. consistency may not matter as much on a week-to-week -week basis, but I think what you're saying, and I totally agree, is it's getting those guys you can count on. They may not be sexy. They may not hit 40 home runs, but you can guarantee they're going to put up 25 home runs or 20 home runs and drive in 80 and bat 280 and you know score 80 runs. And again, that's not sexy, but if you can get that guy late in your draft or for a good price in your auction – and, and you know you're going to get that, that's kind of like consistency. It's kind of like getting a very low floor guy that you can count on, but people aren't excited about because it's not, he's not a sexy player. He just does it every year. And that's kind of what this is doing. I mean, this is identifying those guys, the Larry Fitzgeralds, the Frank Gores, uh, you know, those kind of guys that you can count on, but people aren't as excited about but you can get great value in your draft because people are jumping all over, you know, the Brandon Cooks or the, you know, Michael Thomases, and, and not that they're not great players, but you got to get them in the first two, three rounds where Fitzgerald, you can get in the six or seven. So that's kind of what the consistency also shows. I, lo I love that. That was the first name that came to your, to, off your, off the tip of your tongue because Fitzgerald is to me the model of consistency just because this guy's done it year in, year out. Oh, yeah. Quarterbacks, bad quarterbacks. That, and that's a big thing in football is quarterbacks mm -hmm. get hurt so often. And there's so many teams that do not have a backup really worth anything. Fitz doesn't matter. Just throw it his direction. He makes it happen. And that's what you're looking for. Yep. So that was great. Um, let's get into some strategy. We'll start with the, the top here. What are some of, you know, for those that, don't know. Bob did mention it, but you know he, he did all these pieces on picks in each uh, draft slot and all that good stuff. Um, what are some of the trends, the surprising guys moving up, moving down that you're seeing when you look at your round by round breakdowns? I think right now the guys that I'm seeing that are really moving up and down quickly are the guys that you know. It, it's so funny that people will say the preseason doesn't matter in the NFL. I beg to differ. Um, and I'll tell you why, because as soon as a guy has a good preseason game and it might only be one quarter's worth of a preseason game, they will move up or down. So guys like now, like De uh, Devonte Parker, uh, who a month ago, you know, when Ryan Tannehill was playing, yeah, there was a little hype about him. Oh, maybe this is the year, blah, blah, blah. And then when he got hurt and then Cutler came in and then in week two, when Cutler and him, you know, like the first four passes went Devontae Parker. 
holy cow, the serious radio and fantasy radio was blowing up. Twitter was blowing up. I mean, and the funny part is one, the faster, the fastest, fastest he was up skyrocketing in the ADPs, Landry was dropping like a sack of wet cement. And I'm a huge Landry fan. I mean, you read my book, Landry was ranked in the top five in my ranking systems when Tannehill was playing because the last two seasons he has been top five in consistency. And yet every year he gets no love. I think he was like wide receiver 15 in ADP when Tannehill was quarterback in a month ago. Um, and now he's dropped like wide receiver. In fact, I was going to look uh, on the updated sheet online, but uh, he's now down to wide receiver 21. And this guy's put up back-to-back top five seasons in consistency. Now, has is it very obvious that Jay Cutler loves Devontae Parker? Absolutely. Uh, am I drafting Devontae Parker now in more uh, drafts than I'm doing now than I did a month ago? Absolutely. Why? Because <laughs> you got to go where the production's going to be. However, the other night, um, Parker catches the big touchdown. So he has three catches for 78 yards. But – one of those catches was 72. So the other ones was, what, two for six. Landry catches two passes for 50 yards or 49 yards. I heard zero about Landry. Nothing. Didn't even mention him. <laughs> he got two balls for 50 yards. I mean, yeah, if he catches right. double that, if he catches four balls for 100 yards, he earns a, he earns a clutch game, and that's what he does. He catches balls and he, he gets yards. Because he's huge after the catch. But that's the kind of thing that's going on right now. So I, I'm, we're, I'm saying that because people, you have to pay attention. And sometimes that hype, especially based on a couple games, can really factor in. So, you know, yes, Devontae Parker certainly looks like he's a viable candidate for a good season. I have no problem if you get him as your wide receiver three. But if you if somebody if you're looking to draft him in the first five rounds, kick yourself. It's not that's way too early. Um, so just be careful. Watch for that hype. You know, there's a bunch of games tonight, games tomorrow, games Sunday. There's going to be some players that are also going to have those big games that somebody's been waiting for. If they're rookies, you can almost double the hype, which always cracks me up. Like, oh, look at, you know, Dalvin Cook and look at, well, that's great. But if you read my book, you'll know that since 2010, less than 8% of the rookies drafted in the first four rounds at the main positions of quarterback, wide receiver, et cetera, have earned over a 60% consistency rating in their rookie season. So last year there was four of them, Michael Thomas, um, Zeke, Dak Prescott, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard was actually drafted in the sixth round, so he really doesn't even count in the calculation. But so realistically, in my thing, there was only three. Now, one of them everybody was counting on. That was Zeke. But nobody was counting. And maybe Michael Thomas. I think there were some people. I know Nate Miller from our, our site loved Michael Thomas. But I don't think anybody expected him to be top 12 in consistency and points. Um, Dak, of course, came out of nowhere because of the uh, Romo injury. So it's just hard to pin down how rookies are going to perform. Um, you probably won't find too many rookies on any of my teams in my leagues that I'm in. Um, now, I might draft one late. After the 10th round, I might get a Jamal Williams, 
you know, I like him. Um, I like, you know, this Galladay kid from, you know, Detroit. I mean, because they, they're in the right spots with the right opportunities. But there's no way I'm picking, you know, McCaffrey in the first five rounds or Fournette or Mixon or Cook or any of those guys. They're just not going to be on my teams because why would I do that when I have proven consistent numbers for players and veterans that have done this year after year, like Frank Gore or, you know, Theo Riddick or, you know, those kind of people. So that's kind of the trends that I'm seeing are what is right now. The trends are what happens in a preseason game, good or bad, and how that affects the ADP. Um, don't get too wrapped up in that. Oh yeah. Like you mentioned one of the rookies, Galladay after week one, he was the talk of the town. Everybody, oh, like he yeah. jumped, I think from like the 12th or 13th round, he was a top 10 round pick by the end of that week in certain mock drafts and everything. And then he didn't do anything in week two, really. So it, people need to just, you know, it's, it is preseason. There are certain things that matter, but like you said, the consistent veterans, they're not playing preseason. So right. let's keep that in mind. Right. So, but, so uh, out of sight, out of mind, everybody forgets about them. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at a draft and you're picking all the hype. And then you go, oh, crap. There goes Larry Fitzgerald. I could have got him as my third wide receiver, but I picked – you know, um, you know, some, I'm trying to think of one, um, Stefan Diggs or Cooper cup, you know, because, Oh man, did you see that game last week? Don't be stupid. You can get Cooper cup in the 10th or 12th round, you know, get, get, get your core team. And then you can take chances and risks. Well, and you, you said a good thing there. Don't jump on Cooper cup. It wasn't, it, it, you weren't saying he wasn't a good player. It was just take the players where they're supposed to be drafted. Don't go right. crazy. Like you can go around early if you have to, or when you're on the turn, you, you know, you got to take a few more chances right. in the middle, but it's the hot name. Don't go crazy. And like, I got like cup in the 12th round. Don't go taking him in the sixth round. Like just don't exactly. be stupid. Um, what um, with your you know pick by pick articles you've been doing your research with your consistency the fancy pros, I, I loved your answer when we were talking before we started <laughs> recording. It makes total sense. But you know if if you had to pick one, like gun to your head, <laughs> what's kind of the or the area in the draft order you'd like to be? Well, you know, like you said, as I said, we talked a little bit earlier. I mean, I always tell people, they're always like, what's the best draft pick? Is it number one, number two, six, 12? I go, well, if you did your research right, the best spot to pick from is the one you're sitting at. And that's the way it should be because it shouldn't matter. I mean, that's what I was trying to show. I'm trying to show in the perf uh, perfectly consistent draft articles is that it doesn't matter where you pick from. It's picking the right players, picking the consistent players to build that core of your team in those first seven rounds, then you don't have to worry about where you picked from. But if I had a gun to my head, um, to be honest with you, I, I've done this now back to back uh, two nights this week. I had two drafts and I had number one pick in one draft, number two pick in the other draft. So of course I took David Johnson at number one, Le'Veon Bell at number two. I like that spot right now. And this is why, and this is what I'm doing is that um, in both of those drafts, Zeke fell to the end of round two, and I took Zeke at that spot. Then I followed that up with either Tom Brady or uh, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and then just kind of went from there. And at the end of the day or the end of the draft, I then, you know, I, I filled in my consistent receivers. 
again, guys that are going to get me that 65, 70%. So I think they're guys like Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Crabtree, Golden Tate, Edelman, Tyreek Hill, Jamison Crowder, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, probably I have three of, of one of, you know, three of those guys in both of those drafts. So, and then I got a, a running back that is a good PPR running back. To be honest with you, I didn't draft Darren McFadden in either one, um, but I got good PPR quarterback or uh, running backs to kind of help me get through those six weeks. So I've drafted guys like Theo Riddick, James White, um, uh, who else? Duke Johnson um, to fill that number two spot until Zeke comes back and, you know, then filled him tight end. And, and, you know, and at the end of the day, if I can be even three and three by week six, it that that leads in for some hell that last 10 weeks because because if i can be anywhere near competitive at that point which i should be because i got david johnson and aaron Rodgers, um you know and some good consistent uh receivers and tight end i think i'm going to be in good shape so right now that's the spot i like um as long as zeke falls to you at, at that spot um which you know he should because it's going to be difficult for somebody else you know, they're not going to take Zeke at the turn at one and two because then that makes Zeke their first running back. And you definitely don't want to do that. But if you can get Johnson Bell, um, you know, early on like that and then take Zeke, that's I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that that, that just sounds like. If, like you said, if you can make it work where you can at least be three and three or something at, at that point in time, it's going to be scary when you basically had what would have been the two of the top three picks in the draft on your team for the rest of the season. That's pretty crazy. Um, we kind of, we kind of already hinted on, you know, players slipping, going early draft stocks, moving around. If you had to like just pinpoint guys, like maybe one or two guys that have been dropping that you don't understand why maybe it's the out of sight, out of mind that you're still, Besides Jarvis Landry, obviously, that you mentioned, mm -hmm. are there some guys like later round guys that you're still like, let him drop, I'll take him later? The one guy that's really surprised me and, um, and is, is Dak Prescott. Um, Dak Prescott last year was top five in consistency at quarterback at 75%. He was up there with Drew Brees, uh, Brady, uh, you know, Matt Ryan. I thought for sure that there was going to be so much love for Dak that he was be going to be drafted in those similar rounds, first five rounds, first six rounds this year. I thought for sure Dak is going to be drafted that high because of what happened last year. Now, this even happened before the Deke, there the Deke, yeah, before the Zeke suspension that he was being drafted that poorly. Since then, he's still down there. I've watched a couple of the games, you know, preseason games when Dak has been on the field. He hasn't lost. I mean, in fact, if anything, I think he looks better right now. Him and Dez are a freaking machine. If you've watched the series when they've, those guys have been on the field at the same time, I mean, it's like they're just unstoppable. And so I've been drafting Dak as my backup after getting, you know, a Rodgers or a Brady or whoever, if, if, if that's so be. But, and I'm not saying that you're going to wait and pick him as your number one, but if you do, you know, take a high draft pick like Breeze or one of those guys, 
take Dak in the 12th round or whatever you get your backup quarterback, you may end up, if you start off a little slow, you might be able, and, and you see that Dak is performing well, trade off Brady or Breeze or somebody for something that you may need. Maybe you need a back, maybe you need a good wide receiver two or a good you know running back two. Trade them off. Roll with Zach because roll with Dak because he's going to be throwing the ball a lot. Even when Zeke comes back, that's just going to make it even easier for him to throw. So he's a guy that I just have been stunned at where he's been all year. Um, so that's the kind of a guy that, you know, right now I, I've, I've seen drop. Um, this guy hasn't dropped, but um, his value still to me, um, again, he's kind of like Jarvis Landry, kind of a poor man's Jarvis Landry, but that's Michael Crabtree. Um, mm -hmm. if, you, if you look at the book, and, and it's in most of the articles that I've wrote, um, Amari Cooper is currently at wide receiver number nine, 19th overall. Michael Crabtree is wide receiver 22, 47th overall. Last two years, both seasons, Michael Crabtree has had more points in fantasy and higher consistency rating in fantasy. But there is no love for Michael Crabtree. And it just dumbfounds me. I have him, I guarantee you, I have him on 90% of my teams. And usually as my wide receiver two at minimum, sometimes at three. And this guy's putting up 60, or I'm sorry, 70% consistency back-to-back -back seasons. And yet Mari Cooper is being picked wide receiver 10. And so there's another guy right now. I think that's great value. And Golden Tate's down there as well. He's at wide receiver 23, 50th overall. And he actually matched Crabtree's numbers last year, which, again, is better than Amari Cooper's. And, again, no love for him whatsoever in a PPR format. It's, it's just taking candy from a baby in my mind when those two guys are sitting there later in the drafts, like after I do the Zeke move and then get Crabtree and Tate in the next turn and then get Fitzgerald. I mean, it's just it's, – it's, it just makes me smile. <laughs> No, that's pretty crazy to get consistency, like you said, like that. Um, and I'm assuming you'll think pretty similar here. When I was doing my MFL 10s and my mock drafts, the MFL 10s were kind of like my mock drafts at times because it was easier that way. Um, running back position, it just drops off so fast to me. That mm -hmm. wide receiver, especially for number twos and number three receivers, even your backup wide receiver for bye weeks or whatever, it's so deep. Right. Um, I don't know how you feel on this guy's – some guys love him, some guys hate him. But even a guy like Mike Wallace, I know if Flacco's not there, it's not a, as lovely. But he could be huge as a third or fourth receiver, and you get him in double-digit rounds. Oh, it's, yeah, he's way late, way late. I, I, I've become very, very happy with Mike Wallace lately as a late, late pick because you know what he can be? You know how Flacco likes to have those crazy games? Mm -hmm. At the same time, you also know how Wallace can disappear – so it's just it, – it's a weird one, but those are the kind of flyers that I kind of like to take lately. Right, um, and, and I totally agree. It, it's those kind of risks that you can take late when you can not necessarily throw consistency out the door, but you can – it doesn't really matter as much. If you have a good core seven and you have your starting quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, tight end, 
then you can take all the flyers you want. You can draft rookies. You can draft Mike Wallace's. You can draft Deshaun Jackson. Well, not Deshaun Jackson's. Um, you know, Jeremy Macklin's, Kenny Stills, um, you know, Chris Conley's, Tyler Lockett's, Cole Beasley's. You know, those kind of guys that, you know, if somebody gets hurt and they move into a wide receiver two spot, man, they could put up some decent numbers as your flex player. Those was, That's when you take the chances. Like I said, Mike Wallace, consistency-wise, eh, marginal. But when he's big, he's big. And when Flacco goes off, he's going to be the benefit of it. And, uh, no, I totally agree with you on that. No, and, and I'm glad you, you also said that was um, the consistency is huge, like you said, for your core, for your guys you're going to go to battle with pretty much every week. Mm-hmm. It's you take that's when you take the gambles, like you said. So if these guys all of a sudden, Matt Ryan last year, like you're talking about Dak, Matt Ryan last year was a late, late top, oh. t, uh, top twelve, top thirteen, fourteen oh, yeah. league yeah. quarterback. Mm-hmm. He finished what third, fourth yep. overall in the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just crazy, crazy. Um, and that's the kind of things you gamble on them late, like you said that you can trade a Brady, and it opens up so many doors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy like that. Let's get into some um, some actual draft talk. As you said, you've been doing – you did two drafts this week. You've been doing a bunch of them. Um, obviously, Johnson Bell – it seems to be going a lot more Johnson Bell, one, two, Johnson mm-hmm. first. What are kind of the common things? Are you seeing a lot of the – you know, you've seen a lot of teams do the approach or you see more wide receiver early, quarterback early. What are you seeing early on in the draft? I mean, in in, a, in your typical standard PPR, four points per passing touchdown, um, which is most. You know, when you get into six points for passing or two quarterback leagues, it all gets real messy. Um, quarterbacks just start moving way up, and, and for good reason. But let's just talk about if you're in your standard 12-team, you know, four points passing, PPR format. I mean, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, one, two, it, it you know. I have yet to see Bell go one, and it's funny because I'd be okay with that. I mean, last year, while Johnson was the first guy over 400 points in a fantasy football season, PPR, as a running back since 2006 when LaDainian Tomlinson did it, Bell was on pace to beat him, but he missed those games. So (laughs) don't think that Bell is that far behind. A lot of people are like, oh, there's a huge gap. No, no, there's not. Um, consistency wise, Bell was perfect 12 for 12. Um, two years ago, he was a perfect 16 to 16. Uh, Johnson was 15 out of 16, so he was certainly very good. Um, but uh, those two are, are a lot closer than people should give them credit for. After that, I've seen mostly a stretch of wide. Re- I mean, obviously, when, when Zeke was not suspended, he was going third. Um, but right now, I pretty much have seen a core of about three or four wide receivers go right. After those two, uh, Antonio Brown going third, that's an absolute. Again, nobody has more, been more consistent over the last three years than Antonio Brown. Uh, he should go third. Um, anybody who says Beckham, Jones, or anybody else um, is not reading my book. Uh, <laughs> then it's Julio, you know, Julio Jones, Adele Beckham, Mike Evans, LaShawn McCoy, Devontae Freeman, Melvin Gordon, A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson, Michael Thomas. Um, there's been some that have slipped up into there. I've seen a Diego in the first round, especially after the other night's game. His stock has certainly has risen. Um, so it just depends. And again, it depends on the person. 
But, you know, Ajayi, Jordan, Murray, um, Des Bryant, those guys have all floated in and out of the first round of ones I've been in. But that's pretty much the, the core of what I've seen um, from number four to number 12 has flipped around. Like I've seen different, you know, paths, different uh, approaches. But pretty much those guys are your, are your top 12 with those other three kind of thrown in. Um, order, again, kind of changes after number three. Yeah, I've been noticing that. Uh, the first point when you're, you said you haven't seen anybody take Bell one, neither have I. It's been David Johnson every time. Right. I wonder if that's going to start changing. Like I look at fantasy pros almost every day on their ADPs. I know you do too. Um, with the news that I think it was yesterday or the day before Bell came out saying that he will report by September 1st. I, I wonder if a lot of the hesitation, I know it was for me because I had first in a draft and I said, well, I know Johnson's going to be there. Bell might literally just say, screw you guys. I want to stay healthy and get a contract. Like, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't have blamed, I wouldn't have blamed him one bit right. at all. But um, he, he's coming to camp, and you, you mentioned his his pace. Uh, he had almost similar numbers to Johnson in fewer games last year. Nothing right. against David Johnson at all, like you said. But Bell is just – if he were to play 16, it would – I could see it bringing back those days. Like, you mentioned LaDainian Thompson. And if people mm-hmm. haven't been paying fantasy that long – Payday. If you didn't have LT, you were almost automatically not having a chance. Right. It no, was, yeah. It, it was yeah, because there wasn't a number two guy behind him that was even close. Um, but no. yeah, I mean, I think if Bell would have played in preseason, would have shown his usual Le'Veon Bell esque um, out there, I think th- there could have been times when Bell would have went one. But the holdout and you know, scaring people, is he going to be ready? Blah blah blah. Yeah, he's fine. He'll be he'll be ready. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that's what has kind of held him back from ever going number one. Um, on fantasy pros right now in the top 12, so around one, they have five running backs in the first round. I, I feel there's a big drop off from the top. How, how many, you, don't, you can just give a number if you don't want to give names or whatever. How many you have in the top before your drop-off kind of makes you definitely take a, a wide receiver in the first round compared to a running back? Well, in the first round, um, so in my tier draft list, which is what I create for the site and, and it comes along with the guide, um, I break running back ones into A's and B's. A's means that I'm ex- they have a they, an expected consistency rate of over 80%. Um, I only have four of them, and that's David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, McCoy, and Gordon in that order. Um, those are, in my mind, are the only four I would take in the first round. That's my opinion. Um, sure. Now, Devontae Freeman is ADP is eight overall and RB4, so I have him as number six because I have him after DeMarco Murray. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh, how can you put DeMarco Murray up there? Oh, Derrick Henry, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, you know what? He was top five last year with Henry there. I think nothing will change unless Henry gets or Murray gets hurt. Um, yes, Henry will still spell him occasionally. We'll still have his touchdowns, and it'll still freak people out that, you know, Henry is going to be a god, and he will be at some point when he gets the time. But, that you know, that team saw last year that, you know, it, Murray's the man. There's no question about it. Henry will be the future, but Murray's the man. So right now I have Murray ahead of Devontae Freeman. 
Um, and I would not take Murray or Freeman in the first round um, based on the, the quality of wide receivers consistency wise that can round out that top 12. Cause I have six wide receiver one A's that, you know, basically with those and the other four, there's 10 there's, you know, so there are uh, some wide receiver one B's or RB one B's that could fit in that top 12, but right now, you know, um, I don't have them in that, in that manner. So. Okay. Um, for your consistency ratings, and maybe you detail this in your book or your tiering or, or, or one of those things. If a quarter or a running back, I mean, a running back, like Freeman, for instance, who has Coleman, if they have, I'm not saying like it's a timeshare per se, but they are almost in a timeshare. If a running back's in a timeshare, does that definitely hurt his consistency or does it just numbers are? No, actually, it really doesn't. In fact, Devontae Freeman last year um, was actually, and I'm, I'm looking for the numbers, but I think he was uh, top 15, even with, quote, the timeshare that they have. Um, you know, I, I have, I've drafted Tevin Coleman as my RB2 mm -hmm. in, a, in a lot of leagues, and, and I don't have Devontae Freeman. I mean, I wouldn't do them both, but, yeah, so Devontae Freeman last year, oh, I'm sorry, he was actually ranked eighth. He was tied for eighth at 69%. Um, or that was Devontae Freeman was tied for eight. So um, Tevin Coleman was 16th at 62% or were tied for 15th. But um, if he had one more clutch game, he would have been actually in the top 12 at 65%. So, you know, I feel like Coleman will continue to do well um, in that system. You know, Freeman obviously will be Freeman, but that's probably why I have, I mean, if Freeman was all by himself, I probably would move Freeman, you know, definitely above DeMarco Murray, maybe even above Gordon because he's that good. Um, but, you know, definitely Coleman would be a good handcuff, but he's going pretty high to be a handcuff. But if you can do it, you pretty much have the best of both worlds there if one of them goes down in, in, in by, you know, due to injury. Okay. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but as you talk, it brings questions to my mind. No, here. It's fine. Um, it, it's always a, a question I have for people because it differs a bunch and you just said the magic word there and I uh, handcuffs. <laughs> How much do you look into handcuffs for guys? Cause it seems nowadays it's more of a timeshare than a handcuff, but you mentioned DeMarco Murray. Well, obviously Derek Henry is the handcuff. There's no ands if or mm -hmm. buts about that. Um, yeah, there's other situations like that. How much do you focus on that? Um, it all depends on the quality of the handcuff that you have. In my opinion, there's really only two that I care that much about, and that would be Coleman for Freeman and Henry for Murray. Outside of that, I really don't feel that there's somebody else uh, running back wise that if I draft LaShawn McCoy, that I have to get Jonathan Williams. Um, because just you don't know what you're going to get there. You know what you're getting in Tevin Coleman. You know what you're getting in Derrick Henry. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson go down. James Conner and Chris Johnson, Adrian, you know, Andre Ellington. I don't know. Those guys aren't worth drafting, at my in my opinion. Um, now, you might – you know, if somebody gets hurt and you put somebody on IR first week, 
yeah, maybe you'll grab them if they're sitting on the waiver wire just to be safe. But I'm not going to waste a draft pick on them at that point. Um, but those two guys, I'm probably going to be a little more concerned and, and try to jump on them. But the problem is, is that like Hunter or Hunter Henry, Derrick Henry is just going way too high, you know. And if somebody wants to grab them in the sixth round or seventh round, uh, that's fine. If you don't have Derrick or, uh, you know, uh, DeMarco Murray, and you're just going to, what are you going to do with him? You know, you just, you just draft, you just wasted a six rounds pick in my mind. You know, now if Murray goes down, certainly that pays off. But who did you miss out? Wide receiver three, uh, a good tight end maybe that you could have picked and you picked a guy that's going to get five carries a week for six or eight weeks. Maybe you move up to eight to ten carries maybe later in the year when Murray wears down a little bit, which he will. I, it, those are the kind of things that I won't do that. Um but if they're sitting there, you know, and like I said, I have Murray and it's seventh round. Now I may pick him because, okay, now that makes sense because that's kind of a, a risky, you know, risk in the stock that I'm going with um, to take Murray at that point. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense because like, like the older days when it was more of a definite, almost everybody had a handcuff. You didn't see him going till double digit rounds. But now, right. like you said, now you really got to think about what are you doing here? And it changes it up. Coleman, like you said, makes sense. I'll take him there as a running back two, or even you have to take him earlier, obviously. But he's going to get his fair share. You guys even mentioned it, I believe, on your fan track show today. They had a ton of times where they're on the field together, and mm-hmm. they were just productive. It wasn't an issue. So right. it's not like it has to be one or the other in Atlanta. And some of those offenses, it's built that way. So it's all you yeah. know dependent, obviously. Um, right. right, right now, Tevin Coleman's ADP is sixty-two. So, I mean, that's beginning of the sixth round. Um, you know, like you said, if I need a RB2, I'll take him. If I have Devontae Freeman, I'm probably not going to pick him that early because I, I want to get a wide, you know, a running back two that is going to be a good running back two that I can use every week. I, I guess I could put them both in because they proved that, like you said, they can be successful, but that's just a little high for me. And then Derrick Henry uh, is going in at number 84, so – you know, that's basically the end of the seventh round. You know, again, Frank Gore is going at 85. Well, I'd much rather have Frank Gore and his 70% consistency from last year as my RB2 than to take a handcuff that I'm not going to use. So, mm-hmm. Definitely. When you're looking at quarterbacks in these early rounds, are you a guy that goes early or do you just wait? So my opinion on quarterbacks, and again, if this four point per passing touchdown, if it's six – then I'm definitely going to look in rounds, you know, three, four. Um, it basically comes down to this. If I'm at a spot where I have um, – I can get either um, Rodgers or, or Brady in round four, I'll take them. Doesn't usually work out that way because they usually go in the second or third round. Um, if Breeze, Ryan, Kirk Cousins, one of those guys – uh, I'll probably wait for them until five, six, seven. Again, really just kind of analyzing where my team is and who's available. You know, if I got, a, you know, if I'm looking at Larry Fitzgerald as my wide receiver three or taking Drew Brees, I'll take Fitzgerald because I can get Kirk Cousins another round later. Um, and we'll probably, you know, maybe not put as big a stats up as Brees, but his consistency is right there with Brees. 
Um, so again, it kind of depends. I will go early if it's there. Um, but, you know, again, it just depends on where I'm picking, how it's falling into place. And, you know, again, if you're picking at that turn, so if I'm at the three, four turn and, you know, let's say that Rogers already went or Brady already went and this, this league seems a little edgy about getting quarterbacks, I might grab Breeze or Ryan there at four um, just because by the time he gets back to me, <laughs> those guys may not be available and even yeah. cousins and all those guys may be gone. And then I'm sitting there stuck getting, you know, Roethlisberger or, you know, somebody like that, that it's not very consistent. Yeah. You're stuck with decent backup options, not starting every week options. Right. Um, big difference. Let's move on to uh, like rounds four through six. So you already should have had an established, hopefully, you know, running back or a couple receivers, things kind of building towards your core. Um, let's just say two things by the end of round six, what are you hoping your kind of bound, like your team looks like on a normal draft or, and, or what are some of the players you're, you're surprised have been there when you've been doing your research that, uh, kind of look like steals to you at that point in time. Right. So like you said, basically at the end of the sixth round, I should have a good consistent core of either, you know, a, a combination of five. So that's two running backs, three receivers. Um, and then my sixth guy will either be my quarterback or my tight end. Um, and again, by then I, that should be the team that I'm expecting to start every week. Um, you know, I'm not going to do the pick five straight wide receivers to screw up everybody else. This doesn't make any sense. Um, people do it. That's fine. Or they pick four straight running backs or, you know, whatever they do. Um, I think they just do it for the attention and that's fine. Um, but that's what I want to have by the end of my sixth round. Um, you know, again, looking at the value, the guys that are there, like I said, that I continue to be surprised that I'm, I'm grabbing at that spot. Um, our guys like, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, um, that their ADP is much, you know, much um, like Golden Tate, Fitzgerald, you know, Crabtree, Landry, Edelman, um, the, you know, Jimmy Graham. I mean, those are the guys that are on most of my teams because when I'm getting to that point, um, those guys are sitting there and that's what I'm going after because other guys are picking guys like Joe Mixon, uh, Spencer Ware, um, Russell Wilson, C.J. Anderson, you know, all the rookies, Fournette, um, Dalvin Cook, McCaffrey, um, you know, Doug Baldwin, all the guys that, I, to me, I'm not taking that chance on. You know, if they're rookies, I'm not doing it. If they're inconsistent like Baldwin and guys like that, I'm just not going to take that chance. Um, you know, Allen Robinson's in the top three, in top 40. Uh, I'm just not sold that Allen Robinson's going to have much – much, you know, much uh, production out there because they don't even know who's quarterbacking it. Mm-hmm. You know, heaven forbid they're picking Chad Henney right now. So <laughs> that's scary. I don't know if you watched Chad Henney throw the ball in the back of the helmet last night in the game, but uh, okay. a little concerned about his accuracy unless you're aiming at helmets. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a problem. As a, um, a suffering Dolphins fan here, <laughs> I, I, remember the Chad, I remember the Chad Henney days and it wasn't pretty. That's why I'm telling Jaguars fans it's, you know, Bortles might be rough right now, but he's probably still better than Chad Henney. Let's just be real about this. 
Yes. Um, maybe not though. Bortle has been pretty bad. Goes. To yeah, he has his moments. That's for sure. But you know, it, it, that's the thing is that they're. I mean, it, it, at least in Cleveland, <laughs> that's where I live in that area. Um, you know, yeah. we have the opportunity of going. Look, we suck anyway. Put Kaiser out there. Let's just live and die with him for the next couple of years. You know, at least he seems to work hard and, and he's listening and he's trying. You know, I don't want Brock Osweiler out there. Cody Kessler is a good backup when you need him for one game, but he's not the future. Just put the future out there. Let's roll. I mean, you've got a good offensive line. You've got a good uh, running game there. Decent receivers. Just let him go. You know, he'll make some mistakes, but he'll make some big plays with his feet. Brock Icewater can't hit the broadside of a barn at six foot seven. Come on, <laughs> get him out of there, please. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I totally agree that when you're in a rebuild, I get so frustrated with, frustrated with teams in a rebuild in any sport when you just don't use the youngsters, get them the experience. If you're gonna lose, lose with them. Right. Let yeah, them I mean, figure if, it out. If like, there's somebody he can things. learn behind, it's one thing. You know, if you're coming in and you're behind Aaron, Allen, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady like a Garoppolo, where you can learn from the best, fine. But when the guy in front of you is Brock Osweiler, get him, get him out of there. Just put Kaiser and let him go. So we'll see. They're supposed to start him this weekend, and I think basically, unless he just terribly sucks, I think Kaiser's got the job, which I'm will be happier with than than Osweiler. But yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Um, looking at this fantasy pros ADPs, I'm going to ask you about a couple couple guys that seem out of place to me, and it could be because of injury history or any, something. But on your standard league, you got Keenan Allen. They have him going 41. I'll give any format than in a standard receiving league, and he's been he's got a, quite the injury history. In there he that does. Day, which I have never seen. Would you be all over that? Because I'd be all over that oh, in a heartbeat. In fact. Uh, yeah. Let me check. But so I did the fancy league of experts in New York City a couple weekends ago. Um, you know, this is the one with, you know, Jamie Eisenberg's and the Mike Clay's and, you know, some of the big names. And somehow I have been blessed to be get to go to that. Um, but I so I picked sixth and um, yeah, I got to find it. And uh, so I, I got A.J. Green, Todd Gurley. And then in the third round, I drafted Keenan Allen. Now, this is a standard league, so it's not PPR. And I was stunned that he made it to number 30 in a standard Yeah, league. that's surprising. And I'm like, and I already have A.J. Green. So he's my wide receiver yeah, two. That's... <laughs> and then took Tyree Kill as my wide receiver three. Um, oh. And then took Olsen, then took Tevin. There's where I took Tevin Coleman, got him in the sixth round as my RB2, but then came back and took Frank Gore, so now I have Gore, Gurley, and Coleman, all consistent guys. I have this great um, trio of wide receivers that are going to touch the ball a lot, get a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. Um, and then you don't want to talk about how expert leagues love to wait on quarterbacks. I drafted Matt Ryan in round nine. <laughs> I couldn't believe he was still there. There was a five-round gap between the first three quarterbacks off the board and Matt Ryan. The last, the last guy went in the fifth round, and then I took him in the ninth. So, yes, I love Keenan Allen in any format. Um, the PPR ADP I'm looking at, he's at 34, wide receiver 15. Two, still too late. No, it is. Uh, a couple of years ago when he started off the season and then, you know, was out after like week eight, uh, he was mm -hmm. seven out of eight in, in clutch games 
through the first eight games, he was seven out of eight in consistency and then went down. Um, and like I told somebody, they're like, well, aren't you concerned about his injury history? I said, there's a difference between Keenan Allen injury history and Jordan Reed injury history. Jordan Reed is always injured. He, he, he goes to the bathroom and injures himself. Keenan Allen's injuries yep. were just major blowouts. I mean, he had a lacerated kidney, for goodness sakes. Then he comes back and completely yep. blows out his MCL or ACL. Those are not nagging, drag on, every year you miss two or three games like Jordan Reed does. That's a big difference yeah. in, quote, injury history. That is damn bad luck. <laughs> now, maybe he'll have yeah, it again no, this year, but that's a big difference. I will not take Jordan Reed, no matter how consistent he is when he's on the field, because he's always got that nagging issue. Keenan Allen. Yeah, he's always got difference. some little injury. Keenan Allen yeah. is just bad luck for two straight years. That's all it is to it. No, I totally agree. And I've, I've had Keenan every year since he was a rookie. He was a guy that mm -hmm. I've – and every time yeah. he's been on the field, he's been outstanding. Obviously, Philip Rivers loves him. San Diego throws yep. it like crazy. So that's why I just wanted to ask you because I see him keep falling, and I just – I don't know what I'm missing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, I have him number eight in my rankings. Now, it's PPR rankings. I have him eighth. And like I said, in this, I'm looking at an ADP for PPR format, and he's wide receiver 15. So I pulled, yeah, the I love that. <laughs> the guy that's falling in that range that really gets my attention because he was everyone's darling early in the draft season, and then he's been banged up, and he's kind of people are pushing him to the side and they're taking his backup. Ty Montgomery for Green Bay. What's mm -hmm. your take on Ty this season? I know he's kind of a flash in the bank, probably not the consistent guy you're looking at, but just on a fantasy term, what is your thought process on Ty Montgomery? I'm real nervous about him. I don't own him in a lot of leagues um, just because, again, where he's going, which is, you know, uh, RB2. Um, I, there's just so many other guys that I just feel like I can trust a little more. Even Carlos Hyde, I can trust more than I can trust Montgomery because you just don't know. Yeah, he had some decent, he had some flashy games, but his consistency wasn't there. Um, he'll be used more as a guy out of the backfield, I think. Um, Jamal Williams has looked really good in preseason. Um, I read re uh, camp reports where they said basically um, the, the team is treating Montgomery as 1A and Williams as 1B. Well, if your rookie – running back is that close to you that scares me um they shouldn't be <laughs> so yeah. you know and then he's got you know i know he's got the the health thing going on um I, that there's just too many factors that i feel like if i'm getting him as my rb2 uh I, i'd rather take like i said a frank gore marshawn lynch even a, a ball pal who you know is going to see the ball touch the ball a lot for new york when they're behind by 30 points at the end of the first quarter so, you know, I, I'm just not taking that chance on Ty Montgomery. I may be wrong. I've certainly been wrong before, but I'm just a little scared of him. And one last guy I'll ask you about. We'll move on. Um, you mentioned his name earlier as something, uh, as a guy that's some of the, you know, flashy name guys. Um, Stefan Diggs is that flashy name. He's moving up the list. Everyone claims he was great when he had the shot. But, yeah, to me, I have to remember Sam Bradford's the quarterback. <laughs> so, um, what's your take on Stefan Diggs? Because I don't really want to get to him, but everywhere you turn, he's talked about. 
what's Stefan Diggs for you? Well, Stefan Diggs in, in my mind right now is too inconsistent for me to draft as a wide receiver three. Um, you know, last year, you know, people forget about the fact that the last second half of the season, Adam Thielen was more consistent than Stefan Diggs in the same offense with the same quarterback. Um, in fact, there almost was like a man crush between Thielen and Bradford every game. Um, you know, Thielen was getting more targets. Thielen was getting more touchdowns. And if he wasn't thrown to Thielen, he was thrown to Kyle Rudolph. Now, what has changed in the offseason? In my opinion, nothing other than they've got Dalvin Cook so and Latavius Murray. So from a passing offense, I don't see how Stefan Diggs all of a sudden is boom. You know, he's up there and he's, you know, ranked higher than Jamison Crowder and, you know, and uh, guys like that, Devontae Parker. Um, you know, I'm like, Willie, he's ahead of Willie Sneed in ADP. I mean, all three of these guys were very consistent last year in their role. Um, you know, were wide, good, solid wide receiver threes with consistency. And Diggs was like under 50%. So why would I trust somebody like that at this point now? Again, maybe this is the year Diggs finally gets it. Maybe, you know, he does start showing some chemistry. Um, where Diggs was really good and was actually performing well is when Bridgewater was quarterbacking. Um, those two had a, had a thing going. But then when Bridgewater went away and Bradford had to come in, Bradford went more to the Kyle Rudolph, Thielen, the possession receivers, because basically Thielen, or Bradford doesn't have that big of an arm. So, def, you know, Diggs is definitely a deep threat, but he doesn't throw that far. So he was looking underneath more often than not. So Diggs just wasn't getting the ball. So, no, right now Diggs isn't on any of my teams. Okay. We'll move on to the next kind of, you know, 30 picks or so. By by the end of round nine, I'm assuming you, you have your, your seven to eight core players, flex and all that good stuff mm -hmm. lined up. Um, how do you – approach your flex position in a PPR league and how do you round out your lineup? Cause you said you had two running backs, three receivers through five going tight end or quarterback. What are you, are you looking, are you taking gambles yet? Or are you looking for uh... I'm looking for some very solid, um, maybe overlooked yet consistent backups. Um, so, you know, again, in this seventh to ninth round, I'm just looking at some of the guys that are sitting there ADP, you know, Frank Gore, Randall Cobb, Pierre Garcon, uh, Martellus Bennett, Theo Riddick, um, you know, those are the kind of guys that I'm like, those guys have proven their consistency in the past. Um, I need some solid backups. Obviously, I'm going to take a look at the bye weeks just to make sure that if I need, you know, I don't want to have too many on the same, especially when they're coming to backups. But that's the kind of guys I'm looking for in, in that, you know, kind of seven to nine round or, you know, late rounds there, mid rounds to kind of start filling in my backups. I'll start taking chances after round 10. Um, now I may take a guy who's an, was an injured guy from the year before, but has proven consistency maybe from the past. Um, you know, if, if that falls into play like an Eric Decker, maybe I might take Decker if I think, yeah, you know, he, he's, he's proven it in the past when he played for the jets. I don't know, you know, he's on, he's on, he's playing for the Titans, you know, new team, new scenario. Um, not a hundred percent sure what, what's going on with that scenario, but, and Decker, you know, we haven't heard much love, but Decker is Decker, you know, again, he's a good possession receiver. 
you know, that I could see Mariota falling in love with, you know, but then he also has Delaney Walker there too. So kind of hard to tell on that one, but yeah, that's what usually I'm looking for in those areas. Uh, another couple guys I've seen Tyrell Williams from the chargers, I think is a great backup to have as your wide receiver for, um, you know, uh, Duke Johnson for the Browns. Um, he's playing out of the slot quite a bit. So PPR format, I think he's going to be a great little backup to have, um, you know, or a good flex player to have um, based on that. So I don't necessarily look at the position as much as, you know, filling those flex roles, but also then, you know, getting guys that uh, I know that can help out every week um, in that flex position. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about a couple players here because it gets really interesting. Like you said, this is more kind of rounding things out. you not quite taking your chances yet. But here's a guy I'm wondering if he'll take a chance on because he's suspended for two games to start the year, but he's going to slide – he should slide back in as a starter in Tampa Bay. Doug Martin in a PPR on Fantasy Pros right now, he's ADP is around 82. Is that wow, a gamble you'd be into? Um, that's way late to me. I don't know. Um, I'm still a little concerned about how the team – was talking about him in the preseason and they said, we're not even sure Martin has a guaranteed spot when he comes back. Um, there was certainly some, um, you know, disgust from the management team, team management there about him. He certainly has looked good in the preseason. I think obviously he's trying to prove his worth. Um, would I take a chance? Yeah. Um, Again, it just depends who's sitting there and what I'm looking for. You know, also sitting there is a guy like Mike Gillisley, um, who's, you know, not too far ahead of him. Now, again, I'm looking at a PPR format, but still, um, you know, Gillisley or, again, Frank Gore, Derrick Henry, you know. So am I going to take a chance yet? I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, that you're talking about seventh round, right, 84-ish? Um, yeah. So I don't know if I'm ready for that risk at that spot. Um, now, if I have two really strong running backs, um, you know, then maybe as my RB three, I'm okay, but I don't know if I'm ready to make him my RB two, um, you know, at, at 84, which could be when you're picking seven round or in your seventh round, that could be your RB two guy. And I'm not sure I want to take that chance there. If he was two rounds later, probably. Okay. Uh, another guy that's in this area, it, it's a very crowded backfield, but they throw a lot. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I think he's going too early because I don't think they're going to use him a lot. But Adrian Peterson, he's in the like the late seventies area of the ADP on Fantasy Pros. You know, I got Ingram in the way. Everybody seems to just overlook how good he's been. Um, I'd rather have Ingram than Adrian Peterson, but I don't know if I want either one of these guys because it just seems like a mess. No, are it you, is a mess. Are you even no, I'm not. I haven't bought a share of any of those guys. Um, it's just too. It's too risky. And here's here's why I, I, I say that is because Ingram uh, a couple years ago was one of the most consistent PPR format running backs in the league. The next year, I was you know pr promoting him and pimping him like it was no tomorrow. And I was drafting him, and he started off like wildfire. I think he was five for five, first five games. I can't remember what game it was. It was six. It was somewhere midseason. He goes out and he fumbles twice in the first half of a football game against and gets benched 
for Tim Hightower. And then the rest of the year, he split carries with Hightower. And that's what scares me about that 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 coaching staff and that backfield is who who's who's going to be, you know, are they just going to ride the hot hand? What if Alvin Kamara has a big game like he did in preseason? So that, that backfield's a mess. And the way the team management has handled Ingram in the past, I'm very concerned about. And I love Ingram. If Ingram was all by himself, he'd be in my top 10 running backs without question. But with Peterson there and with Camaro there and with the whole mess of what has happened in the past when he's had a, a bad game or two and how short of a leash they have with him, not a chance. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty crazy back there. Um, another guy, he's just outside the 90s, so he's 93rd overall out of Chicago, uh, Cameron Meredith. He's young, so I don't know how well he ranks like long-term for consistency, but he, he looks to have the potential to break out. He's one of the flashy names, kind of like the Stefan Diggs prior. What's your look on Cameron Meredith? You know, if, if uh, Cutler would have stayed there, I would have been a lot higher on him. Um, you know, Meredith last year was 7 out of 14. So he had 50% consistency, but most of that was in the second half. So if you looked at the second half consistency, it was actually in the 60-65 range. So I liked him a lot until Cutler left. Now you've got a rookie in Trubisky. You have a not much better in Mike Lennon. Uh, that scares me. Um, you know, again, I think Cameron Meredith is a tremendous talent, but – Somebody got to make sure that they get him the ball consistently. I'm not sure that that's there. So, you know, again, um, in a PPR format, I, I'm looking at him on my list at 101. Okay, now I might take a chance if, if he's my wide receiver five. But I don't know. Again, there's so much other talent in that area around him that I can grab, like Tyrell Williams and – you know, some of those guys feeling um, – so even Mike Wallace is like 20, 20 spots later, and he might have a better shot. So it, it's just – yeah, it's just just because of the quarterback situation, I'm just not that excited about Meredith. No, and I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that, that uh, just because someone's flashy, you have to look at the current situation, not the one they've had in the right. past, and that's mm-hmm. a massive – Massive deal there. Let's uh, we're we're gonna skip the, the rounds ten through twelve because we pretty much have our team. You're gonna take your chances, defense, kicker, all that good stuff. Let's um, let's talk about some of the like your core guys. What guys are you targeting that you really really would like to have on your team this year? Um, you know, there's no, you know, I, I I have to say it this way. There's really no guy that I quote have to have. Because in a snake draft, it's all depending on where you're picking. Um, you know, yeah, you can pick a guy around or two early, but that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I'm always looking for value. And, you know, with the consistency information, there are so many players that I, you know, kind of when I'm looking at uh, a draft that I'm looking at completely different than most other people. So, you know, the guys that I have on all my teams or most of my teams are guys that are great values because of their consistency and where their ADP is. So guys like, you know, Michael Crabtree, Golden Tate, Fitzgerald, 
um, you know, Tyreek Hill, Crowder, Benjamin, all of those guys are on my teams because that's where they're falling. And other guys that are being picked ahead of them are flashy guys, the rookies, the, you know, the big names, you know, the big, you know, um, running backs or something like that, that I'm, I, you know, just not taking that chance on, not taking the chance, but I just feel like I'm getting better value of those guys because they've proven their consistency from year to year. Um, and I just love taking them in those spots, you know, again, um, in the same way with tight end, I think I have Jimmy Graham in most of my leagues because he's falling in that fifth, six range, you know, he's top five. Um, he really clicked in the second half last year with Russell Wilson. Finally. Um, I don't see that changing much because all they really have outside of, you know, and from a receiver standpoint is Doug Baldwin. So somebody else has to catch the ball. In my opinion, the wide receiver two on that team is their tight end. So I think he'll continue to see the ball a lot. Um, and so I really like him in a, in a PPR format. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really the players that I'm not necessarily targeting, but I'm getting on most of my teams because of the value of their consistency that I recognize that others obviously may not. No, I like that a lot. Um, what are some of the uh, late round guys, your gambles? What are some of the gambles you're targeting later in your round um, to kind of fill out the rest of your roster? Well, right now my gambles are more wide receiver-ish um, type players. So my gambles are guys that, again, I'm kind of seeing in the preseason getting hot. Uh, Cooper Cup obviously looks like he's locked in very well with Jared Goff. Um, so I've gotten him in a number of uh, leagues that I've been in recently. So I like him. I love Taylor Gabriel. Um, his second half last year, including the playoffs, was um, very consistent for a guy that really was just kind of a deep ball. But, you know, they he stretched the field so well with Julio Jones on the other side. I can see him. I'm continuing to grab him as my wide receiver five, and I probably will start him as my flex most weeks. Uh, so I like him pretty late. Um, probably outside of that, uh, Kenny Galladay, I think, still has some potential to do well. Um, Ted Ginn's another guy I've drafted, like, wide receiver five or six. Um, he's in New Orleans. So you've got Michael Thomas. you got Willie Sneed, who's more of the possession underneath guy. Um, so you got Ted Ginn to stretch the field. He already caught a touchdown pass in preseason. Um, you know, Breeze loves to throw the ball deep and is very good at it. So he's another guy that, you know, PPR is, you know, may not be the perfect, but hey, one catch for 50 yards and a touchdown is 12 points, kids. That's a clutch game in my world. So <laughs> it doesn't matter at that point because boom, you got all your points in one play. So uh, he's the kind of guy that I like taking a chance on, you know, again, putting in as a flex, especially if they're playing in some kind of shootout game, like against the Falcons or the Packers or somebody like that, where you just know it's going to be like 45, 42. So that's a great uh, pick in that. Um, tight end wise, I kind of like Julius Thomas. He's kind of a late round guy um, that, you know, I think he won't, again, won't get a lot of um, catches per se, but I think he's going to catch the touchdowns. He already did the other night in the game, you know, got that one yard catch. Um, again, if you're in a standard league, he's a great late round pick. Because in the standard league, basically it's all about touchdowns. So, you know, if a, a tight end gets six, seven points, that's a clutch game in a, in a standard league. So that's that's a good value there. Um, the other guy I like, here, here's one guy that I like that people are not loving as much because they feel that because Antonio Gates is there, 
he's not still going to see the ball, and that's Hunter Henry. The funny thing was, remember, Hunter Henry was the golden child last year, and then he didn't do much because Phil Rivers still loves Antonio Gates, and he showed that. But I live in Canton, Ohio. I drive uh, the Enshrinees during Hall of Fame every year. This year I had Kurt Warner. My best friend drove nice. LaDainian Tomlinson. Um, we're all standing there talking, and Tomlinson brings up Antonio Gates, and, and or I think my buddy brought up Antonio Gates because he went to Kent State, which is close to our home as well. And he said, oh, yeah, so Antonio Gates, he goes, by the way, he goes, you know, Antonio Gates only came back this year because he's one touchdown away from being the top touchdown guy at tight end over Gonzalez. He goes, after he catches that one touchdown, I wouldn't count on Gates getting on the field very much because that's all he wants. So while a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's a two-headed monster there, that two-headed monster may not last that long. So if you got a late-round pick and you're looking and you see a Hunter Henry sitting there, don't hesitate to grab him. He may pay off for you down the road because Gates might, quote, come yeah, down with a pulled hamstring for the rest of the season after he catches his one touchdown. Just saying. I <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if he just wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if he just retires after that. Yeah. So, um, um, so that's a little inside information I got from, from LT. Nice. I like that. Um, Henry's definitely there. Something I look at in the late, late rounds, there's a ton of tight ends that have, you know, potential. You, should, you could say, mm -hmm. uh, I like OJ Howard's upside, but he's a rookie and right. Cameron Brates there late in the, in the deal. And, um, I love that you mentioned Julius Thomas. You mentioned Thomas. You mentioned Parker. You mentioned Landry. I just want to let people know, Bob did not know I was a Dolphins fan, so he's <laughs> not doing that to flatter me. No, I'm not. Yeah. Um, but but what, he, what he is doing, I think, is he's, he's – what I've been telling all my friends that have just been giving me crap after crap about Cutler is he might throw three picks a game, but he throws yeah. it like 50 times a game. Yeah. And he throws it to guys that he targets and likes, and he loves his tight ends in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, Yep. And, he had Martellus Bennett when he was there, and Martellus Bennett was yeah. a very good tight end fantasy-wise. A great tight end. And then, you know, if it's going to be Parker, going to be Landry, we'll see. But when he had Alshon Jeffrey, not saying those guys are Alshon Jeffrey, right. but when he has a guy he likes, a number one, he focuses a right. lot that direction. Well, he, he called so, – I think there was a quote from Cutler that he called Parker a faster Alshon Jeffrey. So I that's heard that. why I like, also, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's in him talking too, but um, yeah, no question. And another rookie tight end, not to sleep on, but a guy you could, if you just want to take a shot, especially if you're in a league that gets like one and a half points PPR for tight ends is Najoku in Cleveland. Um, you know, again, I live around here. I've been watching the games and there's no question that Kaiser loves throwing to him. He had him wide open on a deep touchdown last week or last Monday night against the Giants, he overthrew him by like a step. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty play. And they're going to do that a lot because Nujuku just blew by the, the linebacker. Um, and so, I, I again, I think there may be some value there in Nujuku, um this season as well. And if, and if not, maybe early, maybe midseason, you know, if you can pick him up off the waiver wire for a bye week, he may be beneficial. Um, if he doesn't get hot too hot too fast. 
since you are in the Cleveland area, I'm going to ask you this. I've heard different stories this week as it's getting closer to the season. Do you think there's any chance Josh Gordon comes back and Cleveland keeps him? Um, I think Cleveland will keep him, but because I think they know that they're not stupid. This kid is extremely talented, but he also has a 10 cent head. Um, so I think they'd probably say, okay, this is it. Last chance. You can come back, we'll, you know, we'll sign you, you can play, but you, you, one more stunt and you're done. And then I know they've said this multiple times, you know, some of these other scenarios where all of a sudden he wasn't reinstated. I was kind of like, where'd that come from? I thought he was okay. So, you know, but, you know, and Johnny Manziel was here and there was talk about Johnny being involved with him. So who knows? But, you know, I, I, the thing is, I don't know when the next reinstatement is. Um, honestly, I, so do you know? I, I have no idea. That, no, that's okay. what I was asking. Yeah. I, was reading. I mean, it, yeah. if like if, if there was something that said, you know, hey, his next reinstatement is the end of September. Okay, well, you know, maybe it's worth a flyer that you grab him in a draft. I mean, heck, there was – I watched the guys drafting Calvin Johnson a month or so ago when Calvin was talking about possibly playing for the Raiders. So um, people are nuts. So <laughs> they'll do anything if they can get a value out of it. But um, I, I, if he does get reinstated, I think the Browns are smart enough to go, he's still really talented. He's still better than most players on our team. Let's give him a shot. But, um, you know, I could also see him if – they said, "Okay, we'll we'll sign him, and then we're going to trade him, you know, to get some value out of him." But I again, I don't know what team would take a chance on him at that point either. So we'll see. The New England Patriots. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> they they. I just have a. I just don't like them. But uh, yeah. I just they always find ways to turn you know, you know, dog poop into uh, gold. Basically, that's the nicest way I could say that. Um, <laughs> they just find ways to do it. Yeah. But, uh, Bob, that was a lot of good, good, great information. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Like you said, you can talk it all night. I can talk it all night. Anything else? I hear you. Well, I just got an email that said Julian Edelman uh, was clutching the back of his knee. <laughs> that's not good. Um, we just t- said moments ago, Jul- and I guess it must have been in the preseason game, he got up clutching the back of his right knee, appeared to plant his leg a bit too far to the outside or an inside cut, and his knee flexed inside. Um, inward. It was a non-contact. So I guess if anything, that makes me feel a little bit better. I just saw the, I just saw the title of the email that said the oh, injury for Edelman. I'm like, Oh geez. Cause I, I do have Edelman in quite a few leagues because of that. So, um, Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He's a tough guy though. I mean, he'd have to, he'd have to be in a cast before I think he would not, not play, but we'll see. Um, but, uh, no, um, again, thank you for having me. I enjoyed, uh, all of it. It was, uh, was a great conversation. Like I said, I could talk about this stuff forever. So. Yeah. Um, again, guys, you can find him on Twitter at Bob underscore lung, big guy, He's on fan radio, get his magazine award-winning magazine that the consistency report, you said he gets your, you get his tier rankings also with it mm-hmm. all the stuff he's doing sporting news, fantasy, um, He's everywhere. Fancy alarm, the works. So uh, check him out. Follow him on Twitter. And the, all the guys. I know you, I've talked to Nate Dawkin quite a bit. Uh, I got to talk to Ron Rigney the other night. There's a lot of really, really good guys at BGFS. So check them out. Good, good fantasy website. Really good stuff. Thank so, you. Bob, appreciate it.
Yeah, thanks for joining me again tonight. That was a great, and we'll have to do it again sometime. You bet. Anytime. Thanks. And everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 51, talking fantasy football with Bob Lung. We'll catch you guys later. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.